So, Harry, mm-hmm. when you were a kid, did your parents or teachers ever try to ban you from doing or watching or engaging with anything? And was it successful? Uh, my teachers, I can't say anything. I don't know. My parents, oh, where do I begin? <laughs> uh, let's see, the Queen. They banned you from the Queen? No, as in the band. Oh, the band Queen. Queen. Why do they think? It means- Elton John, George Michael. You think oh, they of- just didn't like. Oh, your parents were a bit homophobic in the 90s. Interesting. I, I guess, maybe. Wow, but, uh, Fiona and Mark, I'm disappointed in you. you know. Anyway, let's talk about Footloose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly it worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to Footloose. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing other sequel pitches from our Twitter followers. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most loose feet. I've not seen him kick him, but sure. <laughs> and joining me as always, stiff as a board, is John Lucas. Like a rod. Like an iron rod. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so Footloose. Footloose, yeah. What do you think of this? So, I'd never seen this before. No. And I think these kind of films are a real, like, just a blind spot for me. Mm-hmm. I just never really, because I've not, I've never seen Flashdance. I've never seen Fame. Dirty All, Dancing? Yeah, never seen it. Okay. All these, like, 80s soundtrack. You'd think I would, because I like a lot of the songs from them. Mm. But I don't know, they, they never really appeal to me. I think because they're just like, well, my idea of them is that they're just very kind of basic and, you know, I'm not a big fan of really generic romantic comedies or romantic dramas. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, oh, I guess these films are going to be like that, except with famous songs on the soundtrack. Yeah. This film was not what I expected it to be at all. <laughs> this film really surprised me. Yeah. In what way? This film was bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it was three different films, three very different films, all awkwardly smushed together. Because mm-hmm. you've got like a... A fun 80s dance film, which is kind of what I expected this film to be, you know, which is what the Kevin Bacon stuff's doing. And then there's this other side that's just this very sad drama about this broken family and this (laughs) girl who's like this, got this horrible relationship with her dad who seems to have an active death wish. Mm -hmm. And he's really sad and unhappy and his marriage has fallen apart. I know it's so depressing. (laughs) And then there's also this third film going on as well, which may or may not be a secret gay love story. (laughs) And so. happened in this film yeah there is there's a lot going on yeah so right in that i found it quite interesting like i wouldn't say i f- thought the film was particularly great yeah but i can see why it's a classic yeah i think it's got this in a weird way all those weird different elements of it all being smushed together even though i don't think it makes for a very cohesive film i think i can see how that might appeal to teenagers have appealed to teenagers at the time because it's like so dramatic mm-hmm. there's a lot of like oh dad why aren't you listening to me oh everything's awful i just want to dance like it's, <laughs> it's just got so much emotion in it that yeah. i thought oh maybe maybe that struck a chord with people yeah and the songs and the songs oh yeah yeah and Definitely. kevin bacon you know but there's a lot i could see how this was a, a success what do you think of kevin bacon in this uh, I think he's very good. It's got to be one of his earlier roles. It's. I think it was one of his breakthrough performances. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the the start of the Kevin Bacon, infamous Kevin Bacon, um, six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So apparently, to this day, whenever he attends a wedding or something, he 
pays the DJs not to play this song. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone just wants him to do the moves. And yeah. He, he didn't do the moves. In the, he, no. <laughs> he, it, it was clearly a standard. He doesn't do those moves. And now he's like, you know, probably pushing 60. So it just look mm-hmm. a bit sad if he had to try. Yeah. Um, also, he has a band. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> like a rock and roll kind of band, I think. I've never listened to him. But uh, apparently, yeah, I've, I've seen him on talk shows say how initially it was just... Every time he did a gig, all he would get was being was hecklers to go and play Footloose, play Footloose. So now he just gives up and just opens with Footloose. He's like, there, I played it. Now let me play my it's music. It's not even his song. It's not it? his song, no. But yeah. you know, it's it's forever associated. Like yeah. this will this will be the first line of his obituary. You know, he's done yeah. loads of other things, but Footloose is you know, it's it's gonna hang over him. So yeah, yeah. So at least he's kind of seen the funny side, I guess. So. <laughs> Poor sword. Like it's, I know. Like he's. It, he's 40 years older now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still stuck on this. Well, that's what happens to most of these people, you know. Mm. I mean, Patrick Swayze sadly died, but he was he, he would have been, don't put baby in the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner mm-hmm. forever, even though he had ghost and everything else. And, yeah. You know, yeah, it's just one. You, know, you always get, especially if you're like a teen idol, you get, it doesn't matter what you do after, you're always going to be trapped in that mm. moment for some people. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, yeah. I thought he, did, he gave a good performance. Um I think mean, the acting in this film is generally pretty good. It's all right. Yeah. It's a it's very elevated by a really strong cast. Yeah. Because it could have just been so by the numbers. Mm-hmm. But everyone's like... This it's, could have been an absolute B-movie. Yeah. But and it, cause it, in, in some ways it feels like a B-movie. Mm. But yeah, I just think having a cast who are all like really committed, like all genuinely great actors. You, you've got Kevin Bacon, who's a really good actor. You've got John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. You've got Darren Weist, who plays uh, John Lithgow's wife, who yeah. is also an amazing actress. Uh, Chris Penn. You've got a really strong cast. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm not sure if I really enjoyed it. So this is the second time I watched it. I watched it once maybe 10 years ago or something. Sure. I don't really remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, watching it this time around, I was like, oh, this is, there's a, there's a lot going on here, but simultaneously nothing. Mm. Um, and I just, I couldn't quite get into it this time around. I think one problem is that I don't think it's particularly well directed. Right. Because I think, like I said, I think the acting is really good. And the, like I said, there's lots happening plot wise. It's not like it's really uneventful, far mm. from it. I feel like the director is a guy called Herbert Ross. He's most famous as a choreographer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this film is better choreographed than it is directed. Yeah. Because yeah. the big dance, you know, choreographed sequences, they're really memorable and they're really engaging. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the film is just a touch flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's a, I'm just trying to, because I know that you're about to ask me to do the plot summary, and I'm just trying to remember how to get started, and I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it opens in a church. Yeah. It's in a very small town, isn't it? Like this yeah, very, yeah, yeah. The, the opening shots are all of like dusty high roads and like cows in fields. It's like, they're really saying this is a real small Small town, town Central yeah. America sort of thing. Very much so. Very Bible belty. Yeah. Yeah. Big town. And Kevin Bacon's like John, like the John Lithgow, who's like the priest or something, he mm. runs the town. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> feels weird. I mean, apparently this is based on a true story about really? an actual town. Because I was like, this is insane. They couldn't like ban <laughs> dancing. But apparently there was a town in the Bible Belt that did. Wow. So that's America for you. Wow. But yeah, so yeah, we're opening with John Lithgow and giving this very like fire and brimstone speech to his, his mm-hmm. congregation. And I, this is what I thought the movie was. Like if, from my knowledge of Footloose, of the plot, I, I always had the back of my heart... My, I always had in the back of my mind, okay, the plot of Footloose is that John Lithgow is a priest who tries to ban dancing and Kevin Bacon's the young teen who, you know, sets the town free. I knew that was the basic plot of the film. So I thought it was going to be like a really basic, like, you know, he's the the big villain and Kevin Bacon's the hero. And I was kind of here for that. Mm. But after this scene, John Lithgow, his commitment to this no dancing thing really Mm. takes a dip. It does, yeah. (laughs) And I think it would have maybe been a more 
successful, if slightly less interesting film, if he'd just been a cartoon villain yeah. instead of being yeah. a very sad man. <laughs> well, he's got a story arc. And yeah, he does. It, 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 he does have an arc, no question. Yeah, but... and you know, he's, he's trying to repair the relationship with his daughter because, uh, well, does she, no, she doesn't blame him. I guess he blames her for what happened, really. Yeah, yeah well, she's, we'll talk about how many issues she's got. But yeah, yeah. She, she's a walking red flag, <laughs> that girl. But, um... yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's the, um, yeah, it's an interesting story they put together. I just wonder if maybe it would have been more a more enjoyable film if he had just been a villain, pure villain. And because mm-hmm. it, 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 I think one problem I had with this film is there's kind of a lack of stakes. Because mm-hmm. there's never actually. It seems like Kevin Bacon kind of gets what he wants all the time. Yeah, he doesn't struggle that much. No, and no, like I felt like somewhere in the middle of the film he needed to get like arrested for dancing or something like yeah, that yeah there needed to be a, a big crackdown where it all seemed like it was lost and he had to, to really overcome but mm. every time he tries to do something he basically succeeds yeah yeah even <laughs> when he's getting beaten up he, he fights back and he beats the bullies like there's yeah. no yeah that, that's a i think yeah it's really interesting that this film goes in such a kind of dramatic place but i don't know if it, i don't know if it would have been better if it had just been a bit more basic mm. in some ways but yeah yes yeah, so that's what we open mm-hmm. in, in in the church given the Byron Brimstone speech about, you know, how John Lithgow falls. He's got to protect his flock from all the the devil's evil ways and his mm-hmm. all the sinful temptations, all that kind of shit. And Kevin Bacon's new in town, and I guess he has to go to church because it's one of those towns where everyone has to go to church. It'll be a really small town if they can all fit into one room. That's yeah. Well, these towns are like a lot of these towns are like built around the churches. The church is like the community center. So mm-hmm. yeah, I have to say actually before we move on with the plot. The best performance in the entire movie is in this opening church scene. Yeah. It's a one scene character. Do you remember him? No. Sleeping Child. Oh, yeah. Sleeping Child was. <laughs> oh, Sleeping Child. He went method, that kid, because he was like, he had like a sheen of sweat. So he yeah. looked really like, he looked like either he died. Yeah. Or like kids actually look when they fall asleep in, in, in a car in church and they just go like, <laughs> he just looked. And he looked genuinely upset when he was like being. I think I, yeah. I think the kid just fell asleep like as an extra. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. he did that was Meryl Streep level, if not like <laughs> unbelievable commitment. So. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I, I did notice that. Yeah. <laughs> and he is testing us every every day. Our Lord is testing us. If he wasn't testing us, how would you account for the sorry state of our society? for the crimes that plague the big cities of this country. When he could sweep this pestilence from the face of the earth with one mighty gesture of his hand. If our Lord wasn't testing us, how would you account for the proliferation these days of this obscene rock and roll music with its gospel of easy sexuality? And relaxed morality. So yeah, so Kevin Bacon is the new kid in town. Mm-hmm. Him and his mother have moved back from like the big city. I forget which big city, probably New York or something. Who Whatever, cares? Yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah. He's, his dad's disappeared. I think that his mum's getting a divorce or something. And so she's had to move back with her brother or sister. Doesn't really sure, specify, yeah. but yeah, she, they're moving in with like their Kevin Bacon's moving in with his aunt, his aunt and uncle and his, mm-hmm. his ne- nephew and his niece and yeah. cousins, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, he's he's big big town kid, small in a small area. See all this detail, I couldn't I couldn't give you if I'd remembered it well because I didn't get that from the film. Really? I just okay. got like okay, Kevin Bacon's he's moved in, he's from somewhere else. That's all yeah. I know. That's well, just the setup. Yeah, yeah. Because his 
his parents or his living situation. It's not really a factor it's in not, this It's plot. not particularly important to the plot, no. Mm. The only important thing is he's new in town, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, we open in this, like as I said, in this church sequence and John Lithgow's giving the speech. And then kind of after the mass, we're kind of introduced. He's got a wife and he's got a daughter called Ariel, mm-hmm. who is played by uh, Laurie Singer. Uh, and she looks like very much the epitome of the good girl, you know, reverend's daughter, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Sweet as apple pie, yeah. except she's not. She is <laughs> fucked up. This, girl, this is one of the most fucked up characters I've seen in any film we've ever done. Really? She's got so many emotional problems, yeah. Yeah. So we cut from the... Do you not agree? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so messed up. So we cut from this you know, very religious scene, and then she's... Ariel, the, the mm. reverend's wife, is out for a drive with her girlfriends, mm-hmm. or look like teenage girls on the road, including... Baby Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, yeah. Little, she's fun in this. She's fun in this. She's so young looking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're all out driving and it's one of those like long, dusty highways. Like, you mm-hmm. know, there's no other cars on the road. Yeah. And then her boyfriend, mm-hmm. Ariel's boyfriend, pulls up in his truck mm-hmm. and they're kind of driving side by side. Yeah. But, st- but at speed. Yeah. And then she decides just on a whim for no reason to climb out of the window of their car. Yeah. And cl- and like while they're driving, just just a stretch across highly dangerously, yeah. and clamber into his. But not just to clamber through the window of her car into his car to sit next to her boyfriend. Mm. She clambers across to his car. Then she just gets up, so she's standing on both cars, standing on like, both cars, doing the splits basically. So if either one, yeah, I mean it's not. I don't think this is physically possible because the slightest movement and she'd either. She, I mean, I think it is physically possible because the way they the way they showed this in the film, they clearly did it. In, yeah, but in, she, in some I, I would hope there was a lot of safety oh, stuff. I'm, I'm, you sure, know. I'm sure there was. Yeah, I'm sure, I like, hope she was strapped to something because yeah. this is so <laughs> dangerous. Yeah. So she's just basically straddling the two cars while they're driving mm-hmm. side by side. Everyone's screaming at her to get in, but she's just she's just an she's adrenaline the best junkie. time, yeah. She's yeah. <laughs> and then there's a truck coming the other way and deciding not to slow down at all no no just 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 kind of pop my horn like this happens every week just like honking his horn like you damn kids yeah yeah stop the van this girl's insane Mm -hmm. yeah and she won't get in and she leaves it to the absolute last second and Mm -hmm. the last second she just kind of dives into her boyfriend's van and Mm -hmm. everyone's really pissed off at her like run again ariel you do this all the time (laughs) she does this all the time stop getting in a car with her yeah she's insane she needs help yep um so yeah that establishes her she's got some kind of death wish She's definitely a rebel. And well, she just... I guess it's like because her dad is just so controlling oh, yeah. over her and the whole town. But like mm. her... Oh no, the film completely explains why she is the way she is. Because yeah. I mean, jumping ahead, we found out later that her brother mm. died in a car accident. So mm-hmm. it's like, fuck, that's dark. Yeah. Because she's constantly not just constantly trying to kill herself, she's constantly trying to get into accidents involving getting hit by cars or trains or something like she wants to yeah. go the same way as her brother yeah she never says that out loud but that's what she keeps trying to do and it's like fuck that's dark for a teen film like yeah <laughs> so yeah but she seems completely unfazed by it like they're all so mad at her but she's just like oh lighten up whatever yeah and then all of the teenagers they go to this kind of late night 50s style outdoor diner kind of mm-hmm. thing where they're all playing music they're obviously like Breaking all the rules, they're mm. dancing. They've got the they've got the eighties boom boxes, <laughs> like Donna Summer's playing or something, and they're all dancing away and having a great time until they're interrupted by John Lithgow, who mm-hmm. has turned up to check up on his daughter and yeah. again gives this incredibly like low key muted reaction. He doesn't like drag her home. He doesn't scream as it. He just kind of says, 
oh, your mum thought you might not have any money. And he just leaves. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that silently angry kind of mm. thing that's the worst kind. Yeah, actually. Like, this is, of, of yeah. Telling off the one where like someone's just quiet and doesn't actually say anything. It's like, oh my God, this is I mean, the worst thing in the world. I'm going to die. Yeah. No, that's true. I actually thought this was very effective. You're right. Because it, it, it is that, yeah. When your parents yell at you when you're a kid, it's mm. kind of like, mm. but when they go really quiet mm-hmm. and then when you're oh God, I'm in real trouble now. That's, yeah. it's always, yeah. Yeah. That sinking feeling. So <laughs> I thought that was really good. I just thought it was interesting that that's kind of his his level for the rest of the film now. He doesn't really get angry very much mm-hmm. or like fired up for the rest of the film, apart from that one scene at the beginning. So yeah, so we've established that they have this, you know, very difficult father-daughter relationship and she's rebellious and he's trying to keep her under lock and key, but not really trying too hard about it. Mm-hmm. And this is how we learn that music has been banned from the town, basically. Because mm-hmm. I guess around the same time, Kevin Bacon, he goes to the high school and he obviously doesn't know anybody. And he makes a friend. He befriends uh, Chris Penn mm-hmm. in his big yep. cowboy Stetson hat. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Penn kind of explains the plot of the film. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, for the past few years, all music and dancing has been basically banned from this town mm-hmm. because the, because it's, it's a very religious, conservative town. And it, it, something happened that we haven't, they're not ready to tell him yet, but something mm-hmm. happened and now nobody's allowed to dance anymore. Yeah. And Kevin Bacon doesn't seem like he's like initially particularly trying to rail against that. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to like put his head down and get on with things. But his like reputation as like a bad boy seems to, it's kind of like Heath Ledger in 10 things. Like everyone's got this idea of him that he's not necessarily kind of putting across himself, but it's just, he can't seem to stay out of trouble because everyone thinks, oh, he's a bad boy. Mm. He did some crazy shit back in the, back in the big town. So yeah, he keeps getting dragged into trouble and then getting into trouble, which is making him really frustrated. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things that happens is he gets kind of coerced into a game of chicken. Because mm-hmm. maybe it's not just Ariel. Maybe everyone in this town has, has a death wish. <laughs> I mean, this was like teenage shenanigans. I could imagine this, you know, people playing this game. But it's it's very dangerous. Although actually, is it that dangerous? I'm, I'm debating myself. Well, the tractor thing. The tractor thing. Because this scene was hilarious. I mean, I'd say that it could have been... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it is dangerous, but I mean, they weren't going super fast. So I really feel like if the tractors collided, it wouldn't have been the worst. That's what I mean. Because like they're just, they're giant chunks of metal. Mm. They're not really going to damage the machines massively. Mm. Um, I guess that nobody's strapped in and like they are, they are going at some kind of speed and like somebody could go and like bang their head or something like that. <laughs> and then I guess that when one of the tractors gets steered off the road, like it just, it rolls. Like when a tractor rolls, that's pretty dangerous. Sure. Especially when it doesn't have a roof or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it really, it, it felt ridiculous. This scene was so unintentionally it funny. It felt like, you know that bit in an action movie mm. when uh, the the villain and the hero are both, like they're both hurt in some way, but they need to get the thing. And like they've, they've both like been shot in the stomach or something, or they both just punched each other and they're both winded and they slowly crawl towards mm. the thing and they're each trying to get it or whatever it is. It's that. Yeah. That's what this is. It's like, this is really fun. This 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 would be really thrilling if it wasn't so slow, and that's that's the comedy. Yeah, but this felt unintentional. Yeah, you're right. So the the game they're playing is is they've got two big tractors, and where do they get these tractors? It's a farm town. Everyone has a tractor, okay. and they're <laughs> just driving. And like again, they're on this empty road, and they're driving towards each other. Yeah, and it's chicken. It's the first one to I guess hit the brakes. Yeah, loses the game. Mm-hmm. So, but but yeah, you're and and but the. The song they use to, as soon as they start driving, Bonnie Tyler is holding out for a hero, yeah. in, which is like the most melodramatic like song in the world. It's yeah. like, do, 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 do. It's so pumped up. Yeah. And yet 
they're moving ever so slowly. Yeah. Just ever so slowly. And you're right. If they were to crash, it would just be, they'd just like stop. Stop. They just stop. <laughs> they would, it would not be a car wreck. Like yeah. it builds up all this tension for the most low stakes thing I can possibly imagine. Yeah. Well, I, I was, I was watching it carefully for this because like it starts off when you just, when you just look at one of them, mm. it does look like they're going really slowly. Yeah. But at one point they do a wide shot of like the two of them coming together and kids from both sides, like you know, running along. The kids are running at full pelts to keep up with the tractors. Mm. So like there is some speed there. But, but they're so heavy, it would still just, like, stop. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't feel like anything would actually happen. No, no. But anyway, the, the plane chicken and Kevin Bacon gets it. He accidentally wins because he gets his shoelace wrapped around mm. the accelerator pedal or yeah. whatever that is. So he, he actually physically can't break. But they don't know that. So he accidentally wins. And, yeah, the other, the other tractor <laughs> makes a much more dangerous move of just, like, swerving off the road where it falls, like, off, which is genuinely mm. really dangerous. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If he just pulled the brakes. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just you can stop anytime yep you still lost the game yep <laughs> no, instead no need... of a 10 mile an hour crash it was a five mile an hour crash. basically yeah yeah um so kevin bacon accidentally wins the chicken game which i guess burnishes his reputation as being like the bad boy which is not something yeah. he particularly wants but he's kind of stuck with it yeah uh yeah so he, he just can't seem to stay out of trouble there's also a scene when he's like offered drugs by someone i think mm-hmm. this is just another scene to establish this bad boy thing like, and he gets caught and he gets blamed for it like mm-hmm. and yeah, he gets very frustrated. and I find this confusing because he was given drugs by somebody mm-hmm. just being like, hey, hold this. Do you want to buy it? So like now yeah. it's in his hand and they're like, no, I don't want to buy this. Take it back. But then the teacher walks in. But the thing that confused me was this is a younger looking teacher, but all the teenage actors yeah. are all like mid-twenties anyway. So I'm like, is, is that a teacher or is that another student? It was, like, at this point, I genuinely can't tell. It, it, is, it is. Yeah, I was going to mention this later. It, it, it's really varied to a confusing degree, like the ages, because you're right. I think like Sarah Jessica Parker looks 12. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the sequence later, when they go to a nightclub and she's like dancing with a fully middle-aged cowboy, <laughs> it genuinely is really uncomfortable to watch because mm-hmm. she looks so childish. Yeah. On the other hand, Ariel, the main girl, she could be like a cool 35. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like she's a beautiful lady, but she could be a cool 35. Like mm-hmm. it really doesn't match up at all. And Kevin Bacon yeah, looks more like Mid-20s. an adult. Like, definitely yeah. looks like an adult. I think was like 25, 26. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. It is. Yeah. I, I guess everyone looked old in the 80s. Just, yeah. Know, it's all that Aquanet. So, yeah, he keeps getting into trouble. And at this point, Kevin Bacon gets very frustrated and probably the highlight of the movie for me, really. He goes to an abandoned barn somewhere. Oh, oh yeah. This is. And has this, a, I think this is everyone's highlight. And has, and has a stress. This, this is it. This stress is gymnastics it. session. Yeah. Which also doubles as. <laughs> that it, it's like an abandoned warehouse that's like yeah. all metal works or something but it's just full of gym equipment yeah for no reason <laughs> all ready set up all ready to go and just like olympic athlete sort yeah. of an olympic athletics sort of stuff yeah pretty much and he's he's flipping and jumping and doing all these kind of things mm-hmm. in shadow because it's not kevin bacon yeah. but he's doing all this kind of stuff and it just this scene goes on for about four minutes and it basically recaps all of the movie we've seen so far. So we keep getting these like while he's jumping around, we keep getting little flashback sequences of mm-hmm. things we've already seen. Yeah. And we're like, what, half an hour in? We're, we're not that far into it. Like, <laughs> I've never really seen a movie that had its own interval before. Yeah. Like that worked a flashback interval like previously on Footloose. Yeah. Into the movie. But also did so so early in the movie. Yeah. It's really weird it, choice. It doesn't do it again. No, it doesn't Which, like yeah. Well, imagine yeah. if it did it like every as if this was like a three part mm. TV series, like every twenty minutes, like last week on Footloose. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's really strange. Mm. I, mean, I guess it's like he dances or does this athletics or whatever, 
to unwind and just sort of mm-hmm. like that's his meditation. You know, he's oh, looking sure. back on the last half hour of his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the, he's reflecting on what happened the past half hour. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, this was an eventful day. <laughs> yeah, so, so that happens. And while he's doing that, he doesn't realize, but he's being watched by Ariel. Mm-hmm. And she's very suddenly, I think the more, because she, because she's like this rebellious girl, the more he acts like a bad boy, yeah. the more she's kind of attracted to him. So she's really attracted to this, this idea of him as like this bad boy, rebel without a cause type. And she starts like, even though she's got a boyfriend, she starts hitting on him mm-hmm. quite hard. And he's kind of understandably uninterested. Mm-hmm. Like, you seem like a crazy person. So mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But he, but he does go with her to a, she takes him, she takes him to another abandoned place. Cause this town's just full of abandoned things. Mm-hmm. It's like an abandoned railway this time. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's full of like books or something that are banned from the town or something. <laughs> God there's, knows. There, there's some, 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 there's something here that there's a reason that this is special to the kids. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he takes her there. She tries to kiss him again. He's like, no, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. And then she, there's a, then a train starts coming and she makes another suicide attempt. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Like she it's just weird. stands in front of it and is like waiting for it to hit her. Mm-hmm. But not in a like, oh, I'm having a distressing episode. She's just standing there like laughing maniacally. Well, she's screaming maniacally. Screaming, but, but like, yeah, screaming with. But like his, with, in hysterics. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird. Yeah. She's fully having some kind of psychotic break at this moment. Mm-hmm. And, and then she really doesn't move. Like he no. has to jump in front of the train mm-hmm. to kind of push her out of the way and narrowly avoids being hit himself. But you know what's also funny? wasn't a fast moving train. No, it was an incredibly <laughs> slow moving train. That's what I mean. Yeah. It was like, it would have just sort of knocked her out of the way and she'd have probably just fallen over. And then like, you know, if she landed, unfortunately, she would have got a leg like run over and, you know, chopped yeah. off. And then, well, that's not a suicide. That's probably worse because now you're just a paraplegic. Well, again, this train, <laughs> it, it could definitely have slowed down and stopped. Probably. She's yeah. clearly visible. Yeah. Because you're right. It's not going at like, full speed no it's, it's very slowly trundling down this railway yeah and like if it were to run over it would do us it would do it slowly like it yeah. would be horrible like it's not what she wants yeah like in stand by me when the kids get chased by the train they're oh, getting that... chased by the train yeah that train is going at speed mm-hmm. like that could it couldn't have stopped it could have crushed them this is just incredibly slowly yeah it's like God, that, that scene in stand by me that, was, it's was stressful it's fantastic yeah. yeah it's very stressful yeah mm. yeah this scene was not as it was more bizarre than stressful. Yeah. Like, why is she doing this? Um, <laughs> but strangely enough, he's still not attracted to this, ins- this absolute insanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does decide to take a few of the kids, including Ariel, out out of town to kind of show them what they're missing. So yeah. they they all go to a like a dance club, a country club, or a bar, whatever it is, the next town over. So it's Kevin Bacon, it's Ariel, it's Chris Penn, and it's Sarah Jessica Parker. The four of them drive out to the next town, mm. uh, and they go to a country club. And yeah, Kevin Bacon and Ariel, they just, they're, they're just dancing away. They're having a great time. Mm-hmm. Chris Penn refuses to dance because he can't dance and he's, he's embarrassed. So he just, he just sat there with Sarah Jessica Parker yeah. and she really wants to dance. And she sat there with a little, a little tiny legs hanging over the, <laughs> hanging over the, did you notice this? Yeah, she she looked like an actual Muppet. Yeah, she so did. Cute. Like, she, <laughs> it was <just> cute. <laughs> with her big hair and she's just kind of like waving her head to the uh-huh. music. Like it was very funny, <laughs> but, it did, but it didn't kind of take away that this is a child. Kind of, she looks so much younger than the rest mm. of them. Yeah, but eventually Sarah Jessica Parker gets kind of so, she's watching the other two dancing and she's so bored of not being able to dance herself. She just goes off and starts dancing on her, on her own. Mm-hmm. So Chris Pratt's just kind of Chris Pratt, Chris Penn <laughs> is just sat there kind of you know watching her sadly as she's dancing with all these men. Yeah, and then this kind of very middle, very like B 
big beefy mm-hmm. cowboy guy who looks old as their father mm-hmm. starts like grabs her and starts you know slow dancing with her mm-hmm. and this is like chris penn can't take that so he gets up and he walks across and taps this guy on the shoulder and he gets uh, punched he gets punched square in the nose mm-hmm. and his face is this explosion of blood like it's just a hard <laughs> cut to like this unbelievable explosion of blood like his yeah. entire nose has been crushed yeah. But they're all just laughing about it. And at this point, I'm kind of stressed out because I'm like, oh no, this is like what John Lithgow said would happen. He's going to get his way because like dancing means violence. Like, Everything John Lithgow is afraid of happens, to be fair. Even yeah. the last dance. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and it never gets brought up. No. It's it's weird that like, oh, you, you were dancing and then it got violent. Somebody got beat up mm-hmm. every single time. I was, uh, me, John Lithgow, I'm right. Yeah. Well, it I don't never know. Happens. I don't know if Chris Penn has parents in this film. He just seems to be like, it, nobody seems to be concerned that his nose is, well, I guess his nose is fine the next scene. Mm. It looks like it shouldn't be, but like the next yeah. day, it's not like he's like, it's suddenly in, he doesn't have like a black eye or anything. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, it's, it's, it's a movie injury. It's gone the next day. Mm-hmm. So, so he's been beaten up or punched by this guy and the four of them are driving back to town. And this is where the reveal comes about why the town has banned mm. Uh, music and dancing yeah. and ariel reveals to kevin bacon the, the other kids obviously already know that a few years ago her older brother was driving back from a dance party mm-hmm. and he was in a car accident and he was killed yeah and that's and that's why so and that kind of explains a lot about her character mm-hmm. it was like in a, in a in a weird way because like they're driving along and they drive along this very long rickety dark bridge and she's like I love this bridge because mm-hmm. my brother died here. Yeah, she's so like, evil. Like, what the hell? <laughs> why Why are you driving on this bridge? I feel like if this movie is made five years later, she's just like a full goth. That, yeah. That's like her vibe. Like, yeah. She'd be played by Winona Ryder. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hate this bridge. It gives me the creeps. How come? You've heard this one. The infamous Crosby Bridge accident, right? You've heard it. No. Oh, you're missing out. About five years ago, these kids were playing power tag and they were drunk. Uh-huh. So one car hits the other one and they both go over the edge of the bridge. Dead. That's, that's when they started passing the laws against booze, against dancing and drinking and... My father had a field day. Your father, what? The older brother was one who got killed. God, you should have seen Bobby. He was like Warren Beatty, only taller, isn't he? My father went off the deep end. He decided we all needed saving, no matter what. He's gonna personally save this little pissant town and he's gonna deliver it up to heaven with his daughter sitting like a cherry on top of it. Uh, yeah, so then that's how we find out that like, w- that's why John Lithgow is the way he is and why the town mm-hmm. has uh, banned all dancing. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin Bacon, now he, he decides that this has to stop and he decides the only way to help is to, ho- to actually hold a dance in the town. Mm-hmm. So he gets all the kids together to agree to hold an actual dance and to campaign against the, the adults to kind of get permission to do this dance. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we see there's like lots of scenes in between of John Lithgow and the daughter who are just constantly butting heads and... Mm-hmm. It seems like he basically just shames her, but also kind of ignores her. I think he's she keeps acting out, not just because she has this kind of sublimated death wish, but also because she really wants his attention mm. and he's not really giving it to her. Yeah. So I think that's kind of part of it as well. And 
So at one point he like slaps her across the face and uh, but then he feels bad about it and mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, that 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 kind of that plot line's kind of being built up at this on, along the side of their kind of very damaged relationship. I think at some point the mom also steps in and kind of sides with the daughter and says to John Lithgow like you've taken this too far and you're not you're not listening to what she really wants and you've got she's not like you two are too similar. You're both pig-headed and all this. You know, very cliche kind of. Yeah. So yeah, they're preparing for this dance sequence, this dance party. And we, we get a very cute scene where Kevin Bacon teaches Chris Penn how to dance. Because he really <laughs> wants to be able to dance at this party now. Kevin Bacon does barely anything in this. All he does is like teach other kids choreography. Yeah, yeah. he's so that's I mean, he's so passive. He doesn't really affect the plot particularly. Yeah. Even though he's the lead character, he just kind of hangs around. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does teach Chris Penn how to dance. And this yeah. scene is... Very cute. <laughs> the two of them just like doing a whole routine all over the place. Right? Mm-hmm. Dance and gymnastics as well. Yeah. It's just oh, yeah. There's lots of bars, that, yeah, yeah. I guess. Jimmy Riven, I don't know. And then there's a scene where we, we kind of forget that throughout all of this, uh, Ariel still technically has a boyfriend. Mm, yeah. <laughs> who, the, the, who was the guy in the truck at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and then there's a scene when he gets really annoyed at her. Justifiably, I'd say. Um, yeah. That she's clearly ignoring him and pretty much just hanging out with Kevin Bacon. And, mm-hmm flirting with him outrageously mm-hmm. um and then she, she's very unapologetic about this and uh then he hits her which is is not justifiable obviously no. he be, it's actually quite upsetting he, yeah. he really like violently beats her mm. and then kevin bacon kind of runs in and kind of helps helps her up again and doesn't really chase down the boyfriend just no, kind of really. just kind of picks her up and dusts her and says oh i'm sorry that happened to you <laughs> yeah yeah but, but whatever and they have their first kiss now finally mm-hmm. and like, now he's now he's attracted to her. Now she's been beaten up a little bit. <laughs> sure. So they're all campaigning for this dance to go ahead. But uh, the town is very much against it. And they start getting a lot of pushback from the, the older people in the town, the conservatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Bacon gets a brick for his uncle's window or something that says burn in hell or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all very, very intense. And they then the film just, just becomes a court sequence kind of thing. It becomes like a courtroom drama where... Kevin Bacon has to like speak before the municipal court of the town and like make his case for the dance party. It's <laughs> weird, like, this isn't it? It's such a weird turn, yeah. yeah. All the things, for the, all for the things, it just becomes like a yeah. It's a, it's it's a it's a teen dance movie with municipal, you know, county courts, mm-hmm. sure. But he gives this very kind of impressive, kind of nonsensical, but still impressive kind of justification. He's like, look, even the Bible says you have to dance. We're dancing yeah. for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> It's absolute nonsense, but it kind of... Well, he's breaking it down to John Lithgow's level. Sure, yeah, but it's, it's, he's acting like the kids want to dance just because they they want to praise Jesus, which is so not the case. But yeah, yeah I kind of enjoyed that that was, yeah, a bit, bit of gaslighting on his part for John Lithgow. Uh, but it still doesn't... The town is still very much against it, and John Lithgow's like, no, no, not happening at all. Mm, yeah. He refuses to countenance the dance. But he's not like... Hard no. He's no, like, he's, he's like, kind of he's softening a little bit. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the rest of the town are against it as well because he's kind of really instilled this sense of you know, this God fearing sense into mm. the rest of the town. And then him and his daughter have this one final confrontation where she's like, "Dad, I'm a slut." <laughs> <laughs> Basically, she's like, "Dad, you're trying to protect me. And there's nothing to protect. I have sex. I have a life. I'm moving away for college. Like this is all. Mm. Yeah, it's ridiculous. She really just lays it all out for him, mm-hmm. and he's like absolutely horrified. Uh, and then the in the middle of their confrontation, they get summoned to the school because there's a, a book burning going on. They're, they're burning because there's this whole thing as well about how, which is another kind of religious right kind of thing of like all these kind of subversive devil books like uh, Slaughterhouse Five is the one I think they mentioned, but like books yeah. that like might give kids bad ideas, you know, yeah. 
and all the teachers in the school are burning all the controversial books and mm-hmm. this john lifter is just not down for <laughs> yeah like because john lifter goes he's he's getting his um uh, he's turning into a good guy at this point. Yeah. And then suddenly all his subjects, yeah. I guess, they're basically turning into Nazis. Basically, yeah. And so it, it, when he's turning into a good guy, you can't have him being a Nazi sympathizer, essentially. So he's like, whoa, whoa, this is this is too far. Yeah. You're like, what are you going to do next? <laughs> Banning people's right to dance, absolutely. But burning books, too far for me. Yeah. Too rich for my blood. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He really just, yeah, he, he does a complete turn at this point. But um mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, this this is what shows him that he's. This is like the path that his his kind of religious repressiveness is leading towards actual book burnings, and he realizes that oh, am I the bad guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it is like yeah. that um, that sketch. Are we the bad guys in this? Yeah. And so he gives this very impassioned speech about how the devil isn't in the books; it's in our hearts, and mm. you shouldn't, you can't be burning books and stuff. Uh, and he meets up with Kevin Bacon, in, and in this weird scene that feels like it got cut, and we only mm. saw the end of it. Did you notice that? No, I don't think so. It's just it's just it's just a hard cut to him and Kevin Bacon just looking sadly at pictures of each other's family. They're like, oh, this is my dad. He's not around anymore. Oh, this is my, my <laughs> this is my son. He's not around anymore either. Okay, you can have the dance. It was like a very short scene. He just kind of drops in and then drops back out again. But he gi- he gives. I've got a feeling there was um, an extended cut because the the cut that I watched was a slightly longer runtime than what IMDb had listed. Oh, okay. So maybe there's something there. You didn't watch the 2011 film, did you? No. No, okay. <laughs> um yeah, so uh, ultimately John Lithgow consents to allow them to have a dance. Mm-hmm. Uh so the kids all put the barn together. They they build the whole party like there's lots of like kids hammering nails and hanging up balloons and confetti mm-hmm. and a bunting and all this kind of stuff. And um yeah, the party goes ahead except that some local folks turn up, but it's okay because Kevin Bacon just kicked and Chris Penn just kicked well, the shit well, First of all, once everyone's put all the balloons up and everything and then someone just uh, turns all the lights on and everything goes, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And then it's like hard cut to everybody's too awkward to dance. Oh yeah. Well, I which, liked that. Which that made no sense because they've all been dancing all film already. That is actually it's true. Like, yeah. So why, why are you awkward to dance? Like you were awkward to dance before. They need Kevin Bacon. And they need Kevin the Bacon. Started, yeah, Kevin Bacon yeah. just comes in and goes, who's ready to party or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I know it works from there. But yeah, then the bullies turn up. Yeah. No, I just, I thought it was really funny how the, the girls are like really turned on by the Chris Patton and mm. Kevin Bacon just beezing the shit out of these boys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so they beat up the folks, and Footloose kicks in, and there's an insane amount of confetti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like everything that you know, everything that John Lithgow was afraid was going to happen at this dance happens. Yeah, there's violence, there's drink, there's drink. Absolutely, someone's getting pregnant at this party. Yeah, you know, like it's all yeah. going down. But, there, there, uh, there will be drugs. There will be drugs. We've already yeah. introduced drugs into this. We, we know that marijuana yeah. is going around this town. Yeah, yeah. so absolutely, but whatever. It's uh yeah, the party goes on, Footloose kicks in. Mm-hmm. There's a whole every, everyone gets a little bit of choreo. Mm-hmm. John Lithgow and his wife have a kiss in the field because he, he's like watching oh, from, yeah. with his little little um binoculars. Binoculars, yeah. yeah. He, he reconnects with his wife and uh, and the credits roll and that is that is Footloose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? I enjoyed it. It was it was, it was okay. It was it was a weird film. Yeah, I, it, was, I can, it, was, it was weird. I can see why it's popular. I think it should have been a half hour shorter. Oh, sure. I mean, most movies should be a half hour shorter. Yeah. It's under two hours, but only just... Yeah, but it, it, it's it's a bit drawn out. Mm-hmm. There's more in it than, than needs to be. Yeah. Like I said, I think the pacing is the problem. Like mm. I said, the, the dance sequences are really like snappy and watchable. And then mm-hmm. all the scenes that are more dramatic just kind of... They, they, don't, they don't really jump off the screen. I think that's the problem for me. But yeah. 
good acting and a good soundtrack definitely yeah raises it up a little bit yeah sure yeah all right do you want to get drinking games sure hit me okay so drink for knockoff music knockoff music did you notice this there were a few tracks at the start that were just like this sounds exactly like prince 1999 but Mm -hmm. it's not well it's probably just like the generic 80s synth pop sound yeah Yeah. there there was uh, there was another one before it i forget what song it sounded like but like there were specific songs it wasn't just like this sounds vaguely like the 80s or something it's like no no no, this is this is princess 1999 but just not by prince Mm -hmm. and and it wasn't a remake or anything it was just just a song that was kind of very much close to the bone of that yeah yeah sure i mean Actually, a lot of the songs on the soundtrack were original to this film. Well, like they were sourced for the film. It's not mm-hmm. like they were just using old pop songs. Like, yeah, Footloose, the song obviously mm-hmm. was written for the film. Makes sense. Uh, Holding Out for a Hero was was on it was on this soundtrack, and that's how it became a hit song. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> that scene. <laughs> that, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, but the, the soundtrack sold like ten million copies. Like, Late, later, made more famous by Jennifer Saunders. Well, exactly. Yeah, just kept going. But this is where it came from. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's. It's a good hit rate, like the big hits. There are, you're right. There are a lot of like just forgettable eighties synth pop. Yeah. But you've got, you've got Footloose. You've got Holding Out for a Hero. You've got Let's Hear It for the Boy. Mm-hmm. There's some really classic pop in this. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's one. Drink every time. On a similar note, every time the movie randomly becomes a music video. Yeah. I guess the, the scene when he's Kevin Bacon's doing his mm-hmm. stress gymnastics and when he's teaching Chris Penn how to dance and mm-hmm. obviously all the different dance parties. It's like the movie stops and now we're just on MTV. Yeah, big time. Which is probably why this movie was so successful. Yeah. Uh, drink for double takes. Do you notice a lot of this, particularly in those scenes where like mm. he'll run, he'll jump off a springboard and he'll like dive through the air, but then we see it again from a different angle and again oh, and yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like, we've got Kevin Bacon to do this one move. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's just do it again and again and again. He, he learned this one thing. Yeah, I, again, I don't think it was him, but sure. <laughs> well, no, I think in that one specifically, you saw his face. I oh, I see. Okay. I, I think that was it. It was like, we've got Kevin Bacon to do a bit in this whole big dance sequence. Let's oh, and then they probably cut time. away to show the stunt person doing the full rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, drink for chunky knitwear. Yes. I did, I did notice a lot of heavy sweaters from John Lithgow's character. Mm-hmm. And, and for some of the teenagers as well. Yeah. yeah lots of that. Drink for any emotional cries for help. Well, is that just suicide attempt? Suicide attempt, basically. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I just drink every time there's a big red flag from that character. Yeah, got some serious issues. Drink any time sin is mentioned. Oh yes, okay. Sin and the bar. Any time the Bible's invoked, like, mm-hmm. yeah, sin yeah. and God and yeah, yeah, very good. Drink for wandering accents. <laughs> sure. I know there's a lot. Like the characters, sometimes they were really committing to that really like deep self southern drawl, and sometimes they just kind of mm. floated up a little bit. Like, yeah, nobody really stick, stuck to one thing. Uh, drink for Coca-Cola. Oh, Coca-Cola. Plenty, plenty of this in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not naturally in it either. Just like, you know, the camera will just, just kind of zoom in on a Coke bottle. Mm-hmm. They got everything. Yeah. <laughs> drink for another fashion one here. Drink for loose ties. Oh, yeah. I noticed, I really noticed this. Like, I guess it's a signifier that someone's cool. Yeah. Is that they'll be wearing a tie, but it won't be Tight. tied. It yeah. won't be, it'll be like hanging loose around the... Yeah, mm. around around the collarbone kind of area. Mm-hmm. Lots of that, especially Kevin Bacon. Every scene, he's wearing a different like loose tie, mm-hmm. like collar wide open. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Drink for a cassette tape. Ooh, yes. Whenever you see one, or a boombox. Yeah. yeah, yes. Yeah, I like the the music in this film is for the most part diegetic. It's like it's it's natural to the scenes. I think maybe I'd, you can't really tell in the barn workout whether he's like put a tape on and then started working out, but the rest <laughs> of it, it's like the music's 
very much part of the plot. It's not just like yeah. over the top. No, the barn workout thing, <clears throat> it's weird because he puts the music on like on a, on a stereo and then just like runs all over the warehouse. And so yeah, the music stays the same volume, but you know, for him it wouldn't. But it's weird because on the poster of the movie, he's got like a Sony Walkman mm. and like headphones. It's like, why not just do that? Just have them in headphones for the yeah. whole for, for the whole routine. Surely it'd be hard to keep the headphones in place if you're doing that much athletic stuff. Yeah, but if they managed to keep it in place for like, you know, all the individual takes and so it looks like it was in place the whole time, sure, yeah. that's one hell of an advert for a Sony Walkman. I mean, certainly, yeah. yeah. An inaccurate one. But yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine though, if he's not playing music, then he would just look insane in that sequence. Yes. Like from her perspective, watching him, he's just having a freak out. Yes. Like, if there's no music to it, he just seems insane. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you actually, if you played this film again, just took all the music out, it would just be even more like a crazy drama about a bunch of, nothing, <laughs> about a bunch of absolute psychopaths like, <laughs> constantly trying to kill themselves. Yeah. There'd be nothing to lift it. Maybe that's what John Lithgow uh, sees. Probably. Like, yeah. Maybe he's deaf or something. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's like... Secretly deaf. Can you be colorblind, but for music? I mean, you can be tone deaf, but that's or, not the or, same or, as not or hearing. Well, maybe he's deaf, but like he can read lips and he just hasn't told anyone. Yes, and he's too... Oh, wow, that, that, that's a whole different angle. Yeah, like yeah. He's, And so he's banning music he's bitter and dancing because, and stuff yeah, like that. If I can't enjoy it, no, neither can anybody else. Yeah, and you all look weird when you're doing it. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I think I like that more, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, have you got any more? Uh, yeah, I've got drink for uh, body doubles. Drink for body doubles. Is that when someone's clearly being doubled for, yeah, for a, a dancer? Yeah, for a bit of choreo, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, any more? Uh, one more for me. It's a big one, though. Drink for homoeroticism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the relationship between... I, I would say that the true love story in this film is between Chris Penn and uh, mm. Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah. They've, they, they've got this very cute little relationship going on, and there's a, a lot of hugging, a lot of dancing, mm -hmm. a lot of teaching each other. Well, a lot of Kevin Bacon teaching him how to dance. Mm -hmm. Lots of grabbing of hands, like holding of hands and skipping. and just. Yeah. <laughs> but also, did you notice that one random scene that's just all arse? Yeah. <laughs> just, yes, I did. They're sat in like the locker room, for, and there's no reason for this scene to be in a locker room. Nope. But they just sat there; they're all naked, and it's just in the background. It's just ass mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. Like, great. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I loved it for being there, but I was just like, well, <laughs> this seems unnecessary. But sure. <laughs> and I don't think any of the girls got their boobs out, so I was like, good, good for you, eighties film. You didn't. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just equal opportunities. Just make all the boys get their bums out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's all I've got. Cool. Me too. Cool. So listeners, if you have enjoyed this episode so far and you feel like, wait, is this the end? Well, firstly, no, it's not the end. But also, you want to hear more? Well, you can get an extended version of this episode if, when you go to patreon.com slash set, You can get more drinking games, more listen submissions, more sequel ideas, just more bang for your buck. You can also have a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where we, we review recent releases. That's always a bit of a tongue twister for me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what's the latest one we done? Uh, uh, we just recently recorded the Hitman's Bodyguard, yeah. and we're about to go and watch In the Heights. Yeah, can't wait. It's well, cool. I was I wasn't particularly enjoying the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, so <laughs> suck it. <laughs> Fair enough. You summarized it well. Like it's it's like laughing when you're being tickled. Yes, basically, yeah. <laughs> it's involuntary. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you get that. You get the you get the extended episode, the bonus show. You get a thirty second advert slot here in the main show. You can talk about your own podcast, your own business, whatever you want. And uh, yeah, once a month-ish, we do a Patreon episode as well, where we pick a Patreon at random. They can come on the main show and choose a film for us. Um, well, you don't need to come on, but you can choose the film. We'll do it. Yep. We'll pitch sequels to it. So all that is available at patreon.com slash set. Indeed. Bonjour tout le monde. I'm Finn, and every Tuesday I host a podcast called Passport People, in which I talk to people from around the world about the places that matter to them. 
What is so special about each location? What makes each place tick? Where are they headed? To join us on our round the world trip, talking to a diverse range of fascinating people from an incredible variety of professional and cultural backgrounds, search for Passport People in Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so uh, shall I go first? Go ahead, yeah. Sure. Okay, so mine starts with a prologue. Mm-hmm. So we pick up at the end of the dance that concludes the original. Okay, so, so a direct sequence. Yeah, like immediately afterwards. Okay. So I guess that for this, we're going to... Uh, it's only a prologue and it's mostly at night, so it's going to be CGI. I'll okay, sure. Fine. Yeah. So nice young Kevin Bacon, Ariel, and... Uh, who's the other two? Sarah Skipparker and... Sarah Skipparker and Chris Penn. Yeah. Well, at the end of the dance, they uh, they merrily get in a car and drive off. Okay. They've had a really good night. They're going to drive home. Listening to loud music and drinking, and they start driving over the bridge. Oh, no. Mm. Ahead on the bridge, on the, the other side, there's some headlights, mm-hmm. and uh, we see that it's the bullies. They're, they're driving faster than the night, and they're driving across the bridge, whatever. The two cars see each other at the very last minute and both swerve to avoid each other. Kevin Bacon is thrown from the from the convertible they're in and rolls on the tarmac a little. Maybe he's broken a leg or something, but he's not, like, dead. Mm-hmm. The cars skid together and bounce off each other. The bully's car goes straight over the edge. Into the in, in, into, 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 into yeah. the river. They're gone. Um, and the convertible hangs on the edge a little, almost falling. Kevin Bacon tries to get to the car in time to counterbalance the weight while the others get off. But he's got a broken leg and he can't do it. And he watches as the car with Ariel reaching out the back, nearly free of the car. The car eventually tips over and falls into the strong dark river below. Ooh, dark. Cut to 40 years later. Okay, nice. We meet a uh, 17-year-ish old, or whatever, what's-his-face, Charlie Heaton, you know, from Stranger Things. And oh, yeah, stuff. sure. Um, playing a bit younger than he is. But, I was going to say, he must but, be, like, pushing 30 at this point. It's been on for <laughs> well, a while, but yeah. whatever. I, I couldn't, couldn't think of uh, anybody. Probably, like, Finn Wolfhard's closer to 17 than he is at this point. Like. Oh, yeah, true, maybe. Well, anyway, let's just... If, if you want to recast later, we can talk. Sure. Um, so yeah, 40, 40 years later, we meet a 17-year-ish old Charlie Heaton living in LA. Mm-hmm. He's a massive goth, black hair, black nails, a few piercings, no mm. friends, and he doesn't speak to anybody. Okay. His parents are very concerned about him because he's like, not doing well in school and stuff like that. Is he Kevin Bacon's son? No. Okay. Um, he's really into old Hollywood cinema. Okay. And likes films with a lot of dancing in them, musicals and such. Uh, okay. He petitions in the school council to start a dancing club, but he's reminded by the councillor that dancing isn't just banned in school, it's illegal nationwide and has been for 20 years since President Kevin Bacon made it into office. Oh, wow. This is full dystopia. Mm-hmm. Also, I like the idea of a like a goth who's really into like contemporary dance. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm thinking <laughs> like... If, wants to do some if, toe tapping, yeah. Yeah, if like 20 years ago in the year 2000 or whatever, um, dancing was made illegal... Then I guess that like oh it's just as subversive as like smoking pot and listening to heavy metal would be yeah okay interesting yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's I like that's actually a really fun idea yeah, yeah. so so like you know <laughs> old fashioned musicals and stuff that is like that's the height of rebellion yeah I like it <laughs> <laughs> so that night Charlie Heaton drives out to what would otherwise maybe instead of being a goth maybe he wears like a full tuxedo and like. <laughs> Top hat and tails, you know, <laughs> like a Fred Astaire kind of look. <laughs> He's just always ready to start breaking yeah, into yeah, like that's Yeah, that is the confrontational outfit rather than just being in like, maybe everyone wears like dowdy black all the time because yeah. there's no dancing in the music. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, unless it's, unless it's really important to the plot that he wears full goth 
I think I like the idea more that he's like the new the mod the version of got of being a goth in this universe, this mm-hmm. dystopia, is yeah, being dressed to just be a toe tapper, a huffer, you know, at any moment. Yeah. Just, you know, tap shoes, top hat, tails, you know, the works. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that night, Charlie drives out to what would otherwise be the ideal makeup spot, but that's not really a thing in this universe. Do you mean make out spot? What did I say? Makeup spot. <laughs> <laughs> is he kissing a girl or is he putting some rouge on? What's what's happening here? <laughs> um the make out spot, okay. but that's not really a thing in this world with the bacon law. Uh-huh. And he blasts music out of the car by, him, by himself and just like, listens to like loud, like swing music or something. Sure. Like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm singing in the rain. I'm singing. In the... Love it. Yeah. After a while, out of the darkness, a boy about his age walks out. Uh huh. Played by Tom Holland. Okay. Um, looking suave as fuck. Okay. And he comes over and impresses Charlie by saying something cool. I don't know. And then he <laughs> and then he slowly starts dancing. Okay. And he introduces Charlie to like, hey we can actually just dance. Yeah. Charlie's is like, he also doing like old, you know, like yes. classical? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And we know Tom Holland can dance because he did, he does all those uh, lip sync shows, doesn't he? Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Charlie says something about like, oh, this is illegal, like we can't mm. do this. And Tom Holland's like, well, he looks around. That's what makes it fun. Look, looks around and says, well, who's stopping us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they just, they just dance. And they, they just dance the night away. Oh, lovely. And they do this for a few nights. And after a while, some other people hear them and come and join. And so there's... It's like a club is beginning to form. Yeah. A secret, like a fight club, but yeah. tap club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some other people come and join until they've got a bit of a group together. But at one point, they have to scatter because, like, cops hear them or something. Sure. And so Charlie does a little voiceover saying, we just needed a place to dance, a place that we wouldn't be disturbed, a place we could express ourselves without the baconistic scum having their way over us. <laughs> baconistic scum. Um, once we had that, it just needed a name. Mm-hmm. So I've cut to an underground basement. Yes, you guessed it. A sweaty, topless Tom Holland is standing in a circle with lots of other teenagers. Says, welcome to dance club. And I'm seeing a lot of new faces here. Someone's been breaking the rules. What's the first rule of dance club? <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. That's all I've got here. Okay. No, I like it. I like this idea of the secret society, but they're all doing really like wholesome dance routines. Yeah. Tap and freestyle and yeah. Yeah. And so I really wanted to lean into the Fight Club thing. Um, Obviously, I've not written the whole thing here, but I don't really need to write the the story of Fight Club. But Oh, so you think Tom Holland is actually kind of going to be... Imaginary. Yeah, he's going to be Charlie Heaton's id kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. That's why I wanted to go with somebody who's traditionally not attractive and then get Tom Holland, someone who's traditionally very attractive, Uh to be the Ed Norton Brad Pitt. Charlie Heaton, but sure, yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Uh Yeah. You know, like... No, not like a poster child kind yeah, of thing. No, yeah, no, no one's describing Ed Norton as a hunk, but they are for Brad Pitt. Sure, sure. Okay, I get it. And is there going to be like a love triangle with some woman and then it sounds like it's not a love triangle because he's, he's the only one and she doesn't realise that there's two personalities? And Maybe, I yeah, don't know. Just, just I mean, really I mean, go down the I mean, you, you, you could maybe change it a little bit and make it a bit of like a, he's in love with Tom Holland. Sure, like, yeah. That have that work. whole sort of like gay romance thing, but then he suddenly realises, oh no, that's I'm just d- me. I'm just a narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then we cut back to all the scenes we've seen throughout the film of just him dancing by himself and people like, that's weird. Oh, and then the song over the ending credits could be Dancing on My Own by Robin. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, <you> great. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's that. Um, I wasn't sure um, if there was something that we could do to bring Kevin Bacon into it, but I definitely liked like making him like an evil president. So, mm. you know, because at the start, he's he's the, the sole survivor of a double car, a, a double car crash. Sure. Which is exactly what John Lithgow said would happen. Well, not exactly, but like, you know, unnervingly exactly what John Lithgow said would happen. What he was afraid of, yeah. Yeah. 
because it, you know, it's history repeating itself, basically. John Lithgow's like, last time this happened, you know, my son died in a car crash on that bridge, and then mm-hmm. it happened again. Then that's, and, you know, he, Kevin Bacon would probably blame himself for that. Sure. He brought dancing into the town, and he, he essentially killed those people. He didn't kill those people. But, but he's you know, so like, racked with guilt that, yeah. Yeah, he could definitely blame himself for that. So then that just turned him, and he just turns into the John Lithgow mm-hmm. of, the, of the universe, but with 40 years' time to just sort of dwell on it mm-hmm. he really gets passionate about it becomes president and makes dancing outlawed well maybe much if you're going to go down the fight club route maybe maybe what starts as just a bit of blowing off steam for these mm. repressed kids maybe escalates into like acts of domestic terrorism yeah and then they start actively rebelling against kevin bacon's oppressive regime and then you can bring in kevin bacon because he's having to react to that and maybe he gets even more oppressive mm-hmm. and yeah i don't know it could end with like a what was, that, what was that craze called from 10 years ago? Was it flash dance? Flash mobs? Yeah, yeah. Yes. by the medium. Flash mobs could be like the ultimate form of rebellion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, actually, that, that could be really good. Yeah. <laughs> that, that could be the name of the movie. Yeah. Footloose 2, Flash Mob. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Uh, yeah, that works. Um, I've not got a title. I had dance. You do now. I, I had dance club. Dance club. That, that, club. Yeah, dance club. But uh, yeah, so like maybe the flash mobs come in and that's... In, they just kind of derail Kevin Bacon's political career mm-hmm. by just constantly doing flash mobs whenever he's trying to do a speech or something. Yeah, like a million man flash mob. Yeah. You know, like, everyone <laughs> rises up and just do, yeah, exactly. does a little jig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's, that's, that's very good. Yeah. yeah. I, could, I could see that being a movie. Nice. Thanks. What have you got then? Cool. Okay. So I've gone in a slightly, not entirely different direction, but different enough. Yeah. You don't murder all the main characters then. Well, it's funny you should say that. Because <laughs> this movie, one thing about funny, this, this movie really made me think, again, if there was no music in it, mm. if it wasn't for the 80s banging soundtrack, you could change the tone like by a hair mm. and it could just be an incredibly sinister kind of horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I was actually, because it, it's like, you know, small town, very repressive, lots of religious cult stuff happening and, you know, all the unspoken secrets and mysteries and tragedies behind the town. I was thinking, wouldn't it be fun if Ari Aster, who did Hereditary and mm-hmm, Midsommar, yeah. his next movie was like a take <laughs> on the 80s dance movie, like yeah. Footloose. Mm-hmm. So um, I was thinking it could be something like that. So basically, I'm cut into, same as yours, I'm, I'm cut into 30, 40 years later, how mm-hmm. long it is since, yes, it's close to 40, isn't it? Uh, since the original film. Uh, it's the same small town. Yeah. And um, we open with... I put two new people, a brother and a sister who are both about, yeah, probably about 17. Mm-hmm. I actually, I did think it'd probably be like Finn Wolfhard and Millie Bobby Brown or something. It doesn't really matter about that. Those kind of people. Kind sure, of yeah. So they move with their parents to this small town and, and they're from the big city. So they're, they're not used to how strange this town is. Mm-hmm. And they discover that music and all forms of dancing and pretty much all forms of fun in general have been banned. Like it's even more repressive. It's the same town, by the way. Yeah. Okay. The first film. Uh, but it's obviously the 21st century now. And music has been re-banned mm. and everything's even more banned than it was before. Mm-hmm. And John Lithgow is still in control of the town. He's back. And now he's just ruling the town with like an iron fist. Like yeah. he's, it's no more Mr. Nice Priest. Now mm. he's just like a, a full dictator mm. of this town. And anyone who breaks the rules against dancing or singing or you know having fun, wearing primary colors, whatever, uh, they don't just get like grounded. They disappear. Yeah. So the town is living in this state of absolute terror. Mm-hmm. You can imagine this being in that very atmospheric kind of, you know, midsummer kind of thing where it's all mysterious and nobody knows what's really going on. Mm. But like from the eyes of new people, but for the town themselves, everyone's really scared all the time. Nobody does anything remotely 
expressive or fun. Nobody wears bright colors. Nobody dances. Nobody sings. And if anyone does, they just, they vanish and no one speaks to them again. Yeah. So this has caused the entire town to be in, engulfed in this intense paranoia and sense of dread. And the adults obviously are all towing the line because they're part of this repressive system. But the, the kids, the teenagers in the town, just like in the first film, it's made, it's driven them kind of nuts. So all the teenagers are just obsessed with taking crazy risks, mm. but even more escalated than in the first film. So obviously in the first film, it's not particularly impressive games of chicken and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Ariel's crazy suicide attempts. In this one, the kids and teenagers are obsessed with playing games of daring where the loser does actually die. Right, okay. So they'll like be... Russian roulette sort of thing. Kind of, yeah, Russian roulette. Or they'll play chicken, but they'll actually drive at a reasonable speed mm -hmm. and the person who loses gets driven off a cliff. Right. <laughs> so th there's a high mortality rate for teenagers in this town. Okay. And it's just become kind of accepted. as Like the, the parents and John Lithgow try and crack down and, on it. They don't approve of this. And obviously mm. they're, they're probably horrified by it, but they can't stop it. This is the only way that the kids can find to express themselves is through destroying themselves basically mm -hmm. so you can imagine it's, it's a very intense environment in this in this town mm. for these new arrivals in the town it's all incredibly surreal and bizarre and they don't understand why why the town is the way it is and they're like yeah. why the hell did we move here yeah yeah <laughs> so they're trying to figure out these new arrivals why the town is the way it is mm -hmm. and all they can learn is that some mysterious tragedy befell the town three decades earlier mm -hmm. and things have been the same ever since so then the two the brother and sister, they're going to go off in slightly separate directions. The brother is going to, he makes more of an attempt to kind of fit in with the town a little bit. Mm. He's maybe a bit more popular than his sister. He starts, he falls in love with a, a local girl and starts dating her, uh, obviously in a very chaste kind of, you know, secretive kind of way. Yeah. And he agrees to help the teenagers, much like Kevin Bacon in the first film. He agrees to help them to throw the first dance party the town's had in 30 years. That's the road he takes. He's fully re repeating Kevin Bacon's arc mm. meanwhile his sister becomes obsessed with finding out what happened 30 years ago so she's like mm. maybe a bit more of a loner and she's doing some detective work around the town but there's nobody there's nobody who seems to be willing to speak to her yeah. except there is the obligatory crazy cat lady in the town <laughs> who's like completely nuts and just wanders the streets talking nonsense and screaming about you know maybe singing old 80s chart hits and stuff and just yeah. you know and everyone tells us to stay away from this crazy person and this crazy person is going to be played by sarah jessica parker mm-hmm so this is what's happened to her character. Count works, yeah. Yeah. And maybe Sarah Jessica Parker gives some hints to, in the, in her crazy ramblings, maybe she has like little moments of lucidity or she says things that drop some clues. And she, she helps this new girl to kind of start to piece things together a little bit. Mm. But just as she starts to piece things together, Sarah Jessica Parker ends up dead. Right. She's, okay. you know, in a very midsummer kind of way. She ends, you know, she's found, I don't know, burned at the stake or something. Or yeah. Like she has some, 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 something horrible before which. The town thinks she is. Okay, yeah. cool. So the girl is now convinced that there's definitely a weird conspiracy afoot. Mm -hmm. you know, the, things are definitely not right in this town. Yeah. And on the same night as her brother is hosting the secret underground party, mm -hmm. she breaks into Sarah Jessica Parker's house and searches for some more clues. Mm -hmm. uh, and once there, she discovers some journals from before she went completely crazy. Mm -hmm. And then we get some flashback from some explanation of what's happened from since the events of the original film. And it turns out on the night of Kevin Bacon's party that ended the original movie Footloose, mm -hmm. a mysterious tragedy did befall the town when the party goers got all the dancers, all the kids who were dancing in that party, they got caught up in a frenzy of hysterical choreography. Right, okay. Where they literally danced themselves to death. 
it's a thing in it's in folklore like this is a thing that used to say that could happen like uh people would just get overcome with mania and they dance until they died oh, it's, uh, it, it's happened i listened to yeah. a Duke one episode on it recently yeah exactly it, it's a thing so i thought you could bring that in and yeah so the town ta- all the kids in the town including like chris penn and john lifko's daughter they all dance themselves to death with the exception of Sir Jessica Parker, maybe she <clears throat> was out at the time. Maybe she, she mm-hmm. was outside or something. She, she didn't get caught up in it. Yeah. And also, Kevin Bacon's body was never found and he was never seen again. Right, okay. So. See, I had, I had an idea for this film that I that I nearly did, but didn't do. Mm. I'll tell you what it is afterwards. But so far, your story completely fits <laughs> with with the ridiculous thing that I came up well, with. Well, I think, yeah, this kind of, yeah, it, it kind of tracks to this sinister kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Kevin Bacon was never seen again. And the townspeople became convinced because obviously they're very religious mm. that he must have been El Diablo, the devil. <laughs> sure, yeah. Who that. came to the town, tempted them all, and then and then cursed all the children, oh, yeah. and all the kids died. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the town's not even. Oh, more... that, yeah, that sounds better than the alien mind control idea. That oh, I had. okay. Was that your vibe? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking John Lithgow is yeah. now alien mind control. <laughs> yeah, it could have been a thing. Yeah. And this is what's driven John Lithgow it, literally insane with grief mm. because he, he he softened for a little while yeah. and, in, and he lost his daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, he lost his son the first time and then he, he allowed the dance to go ahead. He trusted this new, this mysterious new, new person in the town and that new person turned out to be the devil yeah. or so he thinks. Yeah. And he went mad with guilt and grief. And after that full crackdown on any kind of fun mm. whatsoever, and so, yes, yeah, so she learns that that's the tragedy that caused the town to be the way it is. And every 10 years since that event, the town holds a mass sacrifice of any sinners to bring good fortune to the rest of the town and to make sure that the devil never mm-hmm. darkens their town again. And she looks at the date in the diary. It's exactly 30 years since that first party. Oh. Mm-hmm. So she realizes what's going to happen, races out of Sarah Jessica Parker's house, races to the scene of the underground, the secret dance party. Mm-hmm. But it's too late. She gets to like the barn or something where they're going to host it. Mm. She can hear all the music, you know, all the synth pop dan- and the dancing mm-hmm. happening inside. But all the doors are locked from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's chains and bolts and stuff. And before she can warn the party goers, all the villagers from the town are kind of come in from the shadows with like pitchforks mm-hmm. and they light, they set the barn alight. Right. And burn it to the ground. Got it. Yeah. And obviously John Lithgow is ahead of this. He, he's the leader of the cult, basically. Yeah, this is very Midsummer. It's very, yeah, I really went down a Midsummer route with this. And that's basically the end. So we're going to see like M- Millie Bobby Brown, she's like screaming, but she can't get in to help them. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the rest of the town, all the teenagers are inside are screaming and trying to get out and it's just mm. flames and it's really dark. And uh, John Lithgow is probably reciting some Bible verses and stuff and going completely insane. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it'll end with like Lord of the Dance or something playing over the end credits. And nice. Yeah, very, well, it's not nice. It's horribly yeah. bleak. Well, yeah, it's no, no. yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that was basically Ari Aster's Footloose 2 Disco Inferno. Nice. Disco yeah. Inferno. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah. I, like I really got a sense that this film had a dark side that I thought I'd wanted to just pick away a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I agree. So sorry if you're listening and this is like your beloved childhood movie and we both ruined it with... <laughs> really honing in on the darkness but yeah it was there it was in the films yeah cool uh should we move on to listener submissions go on cool we had a few obviously this is a popular film so we had a few this week kami book said feet tight kevin bacon's character has grown up and is now having joint pains from all that chronic dancing mm-hmm. so i guess middle-aged kevin bacon trying to cope with all those years of yeah dancing his feet away yeah adam capitano said hand loose 
It's about a magician who comes to the town and teaches all the kids about the forbidden art of sleight of hand. <laughs> so instead sure. of dance, he's teaching them how to like pull rabbits out of hats and stuff. Oh, yeah. Edward Evans said, Yard Loose, it's three times as long. Oh, God. <laughs> Pretty cheesy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's like a Ross level pun. Um, <laughs> Adam Bailey just said, Knee Replacement. Nice. Nick Bischoff said, Foot Toose. Kevin Bacon has become a revival tent evangelical huckster who's now working with John Lithgow. So they've got an act together where Kevin Bacon pretends to be in a wheelchair only to be saved by John Lithgow's preaching and he rises and he rises up from the wheelchair and starts to dance again. And this amazes all the people in the congregation and they just fling money at John Lithgow yeah. and then they move on to the next town full of suckers. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. They've got like a double act going on. Yeah. Uh, Park Parkinson said, Every Which Way But Footloose. It's the same movie, yeah. but all the cast are played by CGI orangutans. Sure. Yeah. There's a film called Every Which Way But Loose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christopher Sheriff said, My Left Foot Loose. <laughs> Christopher Sheriff also said, When you see it written down so many times, it's like the word footloose loses all meaning. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not really a word, is it? No, no it's uh, not. <laughs> over on Twitter, at tmurf207 said, Ren and Ariel are... Fo- Ren is Kevin Bacon's character. Ren and Ariel are forced into a Christian retirement community by their 11 Bible-thumping kids, and they must show the staff that jazzercise is the key to a long and healthy life. <laughs> I used to watch this, at I used to watch this, said, you could make it a horror sequel, not unlike Michael Jackson's thriller, where the dead rise from the grave and dance in the streets to torment all the living folk. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it could be like The Walking Dead, but with music, music breaks. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Recasted Pod, at Recasted Pod, said, the town has fully embraced music and dancing, and Kevin Bacon opens a dance club that becomes very popular with the town's youth. But then when a teenager ODs on some on some pills that were sold by Kevin Bacon's teenage son, the club becomes the target for the town's outrage once again. So I guess now Kevin Bacon has a rebellious criminal son who, who sells some bad drugs to a kid in his dad's club and then causes outrage in the town. Mm. Quite dark, but sure. And then we had a few that weren't really sequels. A uh, friend of the pod, Martin Gardner, at MG Loves Fun, mm-hmm. said... Not a sequel idea, but I work at a cat protection sanctuary and we have a sign that says cat loose. And every time I walk past it, of course, I start humming foot loose. So <laughs> I should think cat loose could be a movie. That could be a sequel pitch. Or with cats. Yeah. Again, just in, say, same film, which is cats. Yeah. As in cats, the movie. Oh, I guess it, it exists. It is just cats. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But you could have like this movie, but just played by everyone's a cat. Yeah. Why yeah. not? That could work for any movie. Yeah. Um, and finally, Cinema Recall at Cinema underscore Recall said, Controversial opinion, I prefer the remake. Wow. I have not seen the remake. I don't know if it's as weird. I'd imagine they toned it down a bit, <laughs> you'd think. Yeah. But, um, maybe, maybe it's good. I don't know. Uh, maybe yeah. it's like the more simplified version that actually is more entertaining. Mm. Maybe I don't know. I don't know anything about the remake. Uh, but yeah, interesting. I'd be interested to know what it does differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So thank you, everybody, for your listener submissions. We ask for your sequel ideas every week before we record by putting posts on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave a five-star review if you wish. It really helps us to reach out to new listeners. You can also support us on Patreon for as much or as little as you think we're worth to access all the bonus features that we discussed earlier in the show. You can find all the relevant links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. Mm-hmm. And next week, Harry, yeah, what are we doing next week? 
Uh, okay, so next week we're actually having a guest on. Ooh. Very special guest. Okay. Um, many listeners may, may have already heard this person. It's my partner, Louise. Aww. And she's going to come on and she's going to do a film called But I'm a Cheerleader. But I'm a Cheerleader. I'm excited to rewatch this one. I've watched it when I was, when I was a teenager and I've yep. not seen it since. So. I've never heard of it. No. It wasn't a big film but it's it's kind of a cult classic sure so yeah great so join us next week with special guest louise on her third fourth appearance oh i don't know she's <laughs> she's been on a few times yeah. um yeah for but i'm a cheerleader yeah so thanks for listening everybody see you next week see you next week bye, bye.